But I don't think that films in general are treated with the same respect as printed texts are, as books and poetry. They're not treated with the same respect. There's more reverence for Shakespeare than there is for Hitchcock. Shakespeare will be in the curriculum. Hitchcock is not in the curriculum. They're both two great British storytellers. But this, I think it's changing that people are understanding that, that, that videos, that films, short films are visual texts. That's Kieran Donaghy set to the beautiful soundtrack of one of the films he's chosen, The Notebook, which we'll get to later. Kieran is someone I've wanted to talk to for a while because he's a trainer of teachers with a very generous nature. He's devoted years of his life to building up free resources for teachers, particularly in the area of using short films for teaching the English language. Kieran has been a teacher for a while now and along the way he's become an award-winning writer, an international conference speaker and he started other side projects along the way which we'll talk about briefly too. I hope you enjoy this week's show with Mr Kieran Donaghy speaking from Barcelona in Spain. The best short films for lifelong learning recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love with your host Richard Lee. I want to start with the, a video, actually, that, that you yourself have put together, one that I think outlines your own philosophy on short films as an educational resource, and that's a piece called A Visual Manifesto. Um, and there, mm-hmm. there you talk about the, the saturation we face as a society these days of, of the moving image. And, um, something I really liked in what you said was this idea of slowing down and taking time to reflect on images and moving image media. Are you an advocate, as I am, of a kind of a slow film movement? Yeah, absolutely. I think that fact that we, we're, we're sort of bombarded with moving images now. There's, there's an oversaturation of, of moving, moving images. And there seems to be a, you know, an idea that young people or people in general are very visual, visually literate and they understand all of these images. But I think a lot of the time it's, a very, it's, it's like a pseudo-visual literacy that we're actually not really understanding these moving images or analyzing, interpreting them. Um, and there is, there's just, there's just too, too many moving images. And, it, and we, we're very often manipulated by these moving images and we don't realize this. And this is quite, I think this is very dangerous. We've got so many, so many screens everywhere. And, uh, the fact that the moving images now is the main form of communication. Um, and this isn't really reflected in society or in our educational system. Mm. And you talk about, um, you know, getting to what's beneath the surface, to what what is really there. So I'm I'm wondering, you know, to to what depths do you go to to unpack what's really there? You know, I, I come from a place, I guess, of seeing the potential of short films not only as an educational tool, but as a a kind of a tool for social cohesion and being able to, you know, even engender peace across cultures and languages and things like that. How You, you come at it more from a, a language, you know, analysis or thinking about it in terms of crossing language. So speak to me about that. Yeah, well, what I, what I do a lot in my classes is I'm very much looking for short films which have got some sort of message, some sort of social message, um, maybe a lot of the ones films that I choose are films which deal with uh, contemporary issues like racism, uh, bullying, sexism, homophobia, and I try to uh, to do two things: primarily to 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 get the students to produce language from uh, 
uh, watching these films, but also to reflect on these these messages in language teaching in general. The, the, the published material, a lot of the topics are very bland and safe, and there's lots of taboo issues which aren't covered in them. But looking at these short films, which very often cover these more controversial topics, um, I, I, I try to introduce these in, into the classroom and encourage students to, uh, to reflect critically uh, on these visual texts. Mm. Now, you're uh, an Englishman or an Irishman based now in Barcelona in Spain. That's right, isn't it? I, I, my family's Irish, but I was born in born and brought up in England, in, in Birmingham. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about learning English, it's such a... It's such a mongrel of a language, isn't it? You know, I'm a native speaker and I would hate to learn it as a second or third language because it's so irregular. So tell me how you see English as a, as a kind of a global language. Uh, as it, well, what I think now is very much happening is that obviously most people uh, who are learning English, they need English not to speak to people like you and me, an Australian or, or, or uh, you know, a, a, an English person or an American or a Canadian, uh, they needed to speak to other non-native speakers of English. So I think this is really, really important. There's lots of studies that actually show this, that the, the vast majority of students need this, not to, not to speak to native speakers, but to speak to other non-native speakers of English. Um, and so there, there is like perhaps a new form of English, a more sort of international English, um, which perhaps has less of the more idiomatic expressions, simpler constructions, and perhaps this is the type of English that we should be teaching, you know, in my case, to, to, to the students so that, that they can uh, understand other speakers of English, primarily non-native speakers of English, and that they can communicate themselves so that, that they, can be under, they can understand and be understood. So it's, it's very much that English now is the lingua franca. Um, in, in the world. Mm. Now, there's, uh, there's plenty more I want to ask you about you and your, and your work, but I thought we'd take a quick break with uh, a film that you recommended. In fact, it was a film that first got recommended to me in our Facebook community in July, and I loved it. And it's called The Present. Okay. Whoa! Cool! <laughs> Hmm? Ugh. Gotta be kidding me. Get lost. I'm always a fan of promoting shorts that explore the issue of disability, but what I particularly loved about this one was that it took me by surprise and I was able to if you like, observe my own attitude towards a character change throughout the course of this very short film. So it's almost a disability film by stealth. <laughs> what do you love about this film? Well, very much what the things that you've mentioned there, those are the things that attracted it, me to it as well. Just watching it, and as you say, I think that you, your attitude, that you're, you're very much manipulated by the film director because initially you, have a, you, you see the teenager as the typical, the stereotype of, the, of a teenager, negative stereotype as moody, unhelpful, lazy, just playing the video game at home, not helping his mother um, he treats the dog, in a, in a, and you've got these close-ups, and you see the emotions there. So you've got that use, the, the film language there, the close-ups, you can see the emotions, you can see the way he treats his mother, you can see the way that he's quite aggressive, moody. And then 
gradually, I think through also again the, the the director is manipulating us through the point of view shots. So we see the point of view of the dog, we see the point of view uh, of the boy, of the mother, and then there's that beautiful twist at the end, which completely changes your opinion of of of, of the boy, and it's a fantastic piece of filmmaking I think and it's and and the film director is actually I think it's a student um he was a, it's a German film school I believe and it was his uh, end of degree project and I think it is a fantastic piece of filmmaking because I think it also shows how films can be used to build empathy and that's something that I'm particularly interested in how how narratives um, we know that we know there's lots and lots of studies that show that people who read literary fiction are more uh show more empathy than people who, do, who don't read that type of fiction. I also th- There are also studies that show that people who watch certain types of film uh, are more empathic than people who, than who, who don't. So that, the, 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 the things that attracted me there are the, 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 the way that the topic of disability is introduced, which is a very sensitive topic, and I think it's introduced in a very, very interesting way, uh, and the way that it, it shows how empathy can be used uh, filmmaking can be used to uh, promote empathy in the classroom. So perhaps those are the two things which attracted me most to it. Now, all the films that you have chosen, you, you tend to choose films that are, are light on dialogue, and and it's definitely true in this case. But but you also made the point in, in your notes that for this one, you actually do look at the dialogue, and in fact, you interrogate, interrogate this verb get, which is fascinating. Tell me about that. Yes, because as as you mentioned, normally I don't. One of the things when I'm looking at films, I'm not really interested in the language. If there's a lot of dialogue, I generally don't use types of films like that for several reasons. Because the students will find it very difficult to understand, very fast colloquial speech. They'll find it difficult to understand, and there'll be there'll be cognitive overload. So I generally choose films which haven't got much dialogue, so that um, comprehension is not a problem. Students don't get stressed. But in this case here, the use of the verb get get is you and it's when you when you when you teach English very often students say to you say to you what does get mean and they say and they say what well, have you got two hours you know we can just talk I said look in the dictionary have a look in the dictionary they start laughing there's eight pages of definitions but here it's shown I think five or six different uses of get. Hey sweetie, sorry I got home so late. Hey, and open the present I got for you. Sure, I don't know why you didn't get the papers. She's got to be kidding me. Get lost. Colloquial uses with a fantastic context. So you've got the context there. So, you know, and I think film can be an excellent way of learning these colloquial expressions. And students very often have a, a limited repertoire of these functional language colloquial expressions. And perhaps one of the few places they can gain it if they're not living in an English-speaking environment is through film or, or television series. So in this case here, I actually went through and transcribed the whole, the whole of the, the dialogue and, um, and exploit that in the class because it's got get to mean, she says, I'm sorry, I got, I got home late, meaning I arrived home late. She says, I got you a present, meaning I, I, I bought. And she says, it's getting dark in here. It's becoming. So you've got all of these different beautiful uses of get but what's very important is a very clear context mm-hmm. and which makes it much easier for the students to understand and to and to remember the expressions mm. 
That is fa- that is something I would not have picked up on, and I and I wonder whether the filmmakers probably had no idea that they were offering up such a gem to someone not, like you. Absolutely not, not, <laughs> not absolutely not. But what's, yeah, what's very interesting there is that it's um, the the filmmaker, as I mentioned before, is a, is a, a young German student, mm-hmm. and he's certainly not a, a, a native speaker of English, mm-hmm. but he's he's either got a very very good command of English or somebody he knows has. <laughs> but you've just got those really really wonderful uses of. of of get that, and I'm sure he wasn't thinking about that. But as a teacher, sometimes as an English teacher, sometimes you're looking for those things. Yeah, yeah. Before we get to our next film, I, I want to get some idea about how, how you landed in all this. What what the background is to it all. So you've you've written a number of books on the subject, um, which I'll list in the show notes and put links to. Um, but I wonder if you can also tell me about some of your projects and three that I've spotted. You know, you do this thing called Film English, then you have the Image Conference. And you have this new thing called a visual manifesto. How did this all happen? Were you just teaching English one day and got sick of it? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's a good, it's a good question. Well, I've been teaching for about twenty seven years now. When I started teaching, I saw the the potential of using film in the classroom, and I was using generally feature length films. But I could see quite early on that perhaps showing feature length films was it cognitive overload there was too much information so I, I tried to sort of break it down to be to, to show perhaps 10-15 minutes of the film so I did that and I was designing my own materials but I kept on using feature length films I'd never really seen short films because I think before short films were only really available at certain film festivals it was quite difficult to access uh, short films but then with the digital revolution we had the, the the advent of YouTube and Vimeo and I saw the potential of those short films in the language classroom that they could be exploited because they would they're, they're very short they can be shown in one in in one class and they can be shown several times so the students engage uh, on it with a in in with the material on a more meaningful level and then I decided to set up a website with lesson plans designed around short films and that's when I set up Film English which is probably my best known website and that became became popular uh, with teachers. And then after that, I said because, because probably because of that, my growing interest in, in moving images, um, and, and I was speaking at quite a lot of conferences, and I noticed a lot of conferences there wasn't m- much on the use of uh, video and film in the conferences that I was going to. So I decided to set up a conference which was dedicated exclusively to the use of images in in, in language teaching, film, video, photos, and and gaming as well. And the first one was at my university. The um, I, the school I work at is the Web Idiomas Barcelona, which is part of a, a Catalan university, the Universidad Autónoma de Barcelona. And the first the first conference was was there, and we've subsequently we've had it in. Brasilia, uh, Cordoba in Spain, Munich, and we're having it in uh, Malta uh, in uh, in October. So it, it seems to be going from from strength to strength. You're growing a movement. Yes, that's very much what we're trying to do. And then we've got another initiative which we're we're going to announce in a few months, which is something trying to bring together educators. Uh, from different fields who are interested in the use of of uh, images in all their different forms in in education and language teaching in particular. Mm-hmm. You're going to take over the world with this. It's great. Do you, <laughs> let's um, let's move on to a, a, a second film that you've recommended, and this one is called The Mirror. <laughs> Come 
Now, this is a beautiful film. So much is sort of said without words. So my first question about this is, where did you find it? When I'm looking for films, I found very quickly that YouTube wasn't the place to find short films because there's just too much. There's too much uploaded, too much rubbish uploaded, too many cat videos. It's too difficult to find stuff. So I discovered Vimeo and I saw that there were far, that there were far fewer videos, but the quality was much better. And then I soon found a channel called Staff Picks, which is, um, as the name as the name suggests, the people who work at, at Vimeo actually select the videos, and they've got very good taste. I used to just go, daily just go through this and 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 watch the first, perhaps watch the first 10, 15 seconds, and I could see if I'd like it or not. And that I saw this one, the mirror, and I thought, oh, that that sounds quite intriguing. The title. I started watching it, and I was I was really grabbed straight away. It was you know a, a fantastic narrative, and you know I, I think it's a superb piece of filmmaking and storytelling. Excellent. All contained, as you say, you know, for an entire life set in one room, five minutes, you've got their whole story. Incredible. Yeah. It's just wonderful. As a story, it's wonderful. And again, as, as, a, as a language teacher, when you watch it, you see you can be exploited in lots of different ways for, for example, parts of the, the face, different parts of the face the parts of the body for aging vocabulary connected with the aging also like the vocabulary of different objects in the bathroom like the mirror the sink the toilet the shower etc a common room isn't it it's it's a room that as everyone would be familiar with and and as you say a great place to unpack you know the the words of that room yeah Exactly, exactly, yeah. One of the things, uh, just some notes you made about the idea of pausing a film at key points. This is something I've used. It's a, I think it's a great way to encourage people to use a new language without them thinking about it directly. And so is that, is that a strategy, a common strategy in ALT? Well, it is. I think it's becoming one, as I mentioned before, I don't think that films in general are treated with the same respect as printed texts are, as books and poetry. They're not treated with the same respect. There's more evidence for a book. There's more evidence for Shakespeare than there is for Hitchcock. Shakespeare will be in the curriculum. Hitchcock is not in the curriculum. They're both two great British storytellers. And sometimes, as you mentioned before, film is used as a, as a filler, as a, as, a, as a filler when there's, you know, in the literature, it's called the end of term approach. Uh, sorry, the Friday afternoon approach. I'm sorry. On a Friday afternoon, just showing a film because, wow. You can. Because there's <laughs> something to do because you can or the end of term. So it's not really treated as, as a text. But this, I think it's changing that people are understanding that, that, that videos, that films, short films are visual text. And that they're using lots of the techniques that you can use with a printed text that you can use with a visual text, with a moving image text. When students are reading a book uh, or a chapter, you would say, stop here. What's going to happen next? What do you know about the characters from this? Okay, but this this can be used with a visual text as well. How do you think the the characters are feeling at this at this point? Um, which can be used with a, with a book that can also be used with a moving image text. Yeah, and because particularly because there is so much going on in his world that you're left to imagine what it is. There's not a lot said, but with all the the stuff going on in his life. You only get little glimpses of that through what's happening, um, and in fact, that's one all, another aspect I wanted to bring up: the the age appropriateness of a film. You know, there's moments of of sort of he obviously gets into you know some 
hardcore things, you know, and I did one, wonder about for you as a, te- you know, a, a ELT teacher, the, you know, how much do you factor in the film selection based on the age appropriateness? You know, it can be such an issue for, te- for teachers, for the under eight, for children, for example. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good point. What I do is when I write the lesson plan, uh, at the beginning, I have different categories of what level it is, what linguistic level it is, what language is will be used. Uh, but I also have age appropriateness. This one, I would uh, it's it's late teens and adults. As you say, it's probably not appropriate for primary school children. Yeah, sure. So it is a, it, it is a factor. Yes. One thing I like about animations is that animations can very often be used at all ages. It, they're certainly not just for children. Yeah, and also it's the and if there's any violence or harsh activity going on, somehow it's it's less intense if it's animated or tends to be that way. Yes, yeah. One one thing is I generally don't have any violence. It's one of the criteria. I don't really like to have any violence in it. And generally not swearing either. It makes it easier for the primary school and secondary school teachers to use. You mentioned criteria. So do you have a kind of a check-off list with all your films? The, the first thing that I do really is that I see a film that I like and then I think, how can I exploit it? Mm. And I think that works better. If I was looking for a film where I wanted to teach the past simple tense or I wanted, I'm looking for a film to teach vocabulary or food, then I, I don't think I'd come up with anything very good. So what I do is just looking through, watching watching hundreds, hundreds I mean, over the years, it's probably been thousands of films. And then I, what, if I like it, I think, oh, I can exploit that in some way. And then if I like it, I think I can transmit that, my enthusiasm for it to the, to, to the student. So it's quite an organic process. And, and you're the second person I've spoken to in the last few weeks who have said exactly the same thing. And I think that's the challenge for filmmakers or creators of moving image for educational purposes is that it is done around the wrong way. It's done with this end of... I want to teach you this, let's try and jazz it up and sneak in the teaching. It doesn't work for that, for a good film. Yeah, and that's one of the problems when there is a course book and they have a video component Mm. that they're trying to, they're always trying to build it around the past simple or the present perfect tense or the future tense. And everything seems quite contrived Mm. about it. And and very often that the video component of the course, when they create the videos, it's an afterthought. Mm. Um, It's not an integral part of the course. It's an add-on. But I must say that I think this this is changing and there are some... Uh, there are some very innovative uh, videos in, in, in the English language uh, teaching course books now. All right, well, let's go to the last film that you've recommended called The Notebook. Whatever I feel for you, you only seem to care about you. Is there any chance you could see me too? Because I love you. Is there anything I could do just to get some attention from you in the ways I've lost every trace of you? Where are you? Time is precious is, uh, was my sort of initial reaction. Our children are precious. You know, it's a very sweet, a very emotive piece, like, like I think so many ads are. So I was interested that you, that you do include in your suite of films um, branded content. Can you speak about that? Yes. 
I think these, 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 as you say, branded content in these films are called branded shorts, which are short films commissioned by a, a company or, or an organization or for, to promote a product. Um, and very often they have, I think they have high, you know, very big budgets. So they have very good film directors. The actors are very good. They look very good. They're in high definition. Um, so I think, and, and they, they have good script writers as well. They tell good stories, but nearly always we're been, being manipulated in some way into buying a product or, or, you know, seeing a certain service in a, in a, in a positive light. Uh, what I particularly like about this one, the film director, Greg Gray is a South African film director, and I've seen several of his, his um, branded shorts and he's an incredible film director. And I particularly like the way he, in this film that we feel the sentiments that the characters are feeling. So I think he's very, very good at promoting uh, empathy. And I think it tells a very nice story and it's a story which lots and lots of people and students can relate to and when I've shown this film it's had such a strong impact with students but also with with teachers when I've shown it at conferences and training sessions that students have been crying when they've when they've watched the film and particularly women and women who are mothers and have this juggling act of uh, their professional life their their family life and it's a very very difficult balance this work-life balance and it makes a strong emotional impact and I think if there is a strong emotional impact that learning is more is more likely to take place yeah well I remember you know in, in doing my teaching rounds as a media teacher you know we we used to make the comment that in terms of sort of cost per minute television ads can be the most expensive part of a television hour, you know, and sometimes more thought has gone into those 30 seconds or that minute or two minutes than the rest of the whole show, you know. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's often the best ones, as you say, are about emotional manipulation. They're trying to arrive at a position where we, we really feel something so that we're going to go out and gravitate to a product or an idea or whatever. So it's very big. And, but often, as you say, you know, there's some great film directors and and film directors will you know use ads as a way to make money on the way to the road for feature films or whatever and so it led me to thinking and I want to ask you about this too the whole idea of um, how we do thank filmmakers if you like how do you think more generally um, teachers um, whether they ELT or any teachers can show a bit more respect to filmmakers for the hard work that they do and the time that they put into making these films yeah one of the things is is, is actually telling the students who the, who the filmmaker is because there's lots and lots of teachers who are using these um, to link to their filmmaking page as well to tell them about the film directors to perhaps show them more of their work as well of course it depends on the traffic that you get I get quite a lot of traffic on film English so sometimes I get film directors, short film directors, getting in touch with me, asking if I'll make a lesson plan designed around the short film because they, they know that they can get maybe uh, on one day 10,000 hits from a lesson plan. So for them, that's, that's a lot of hits and it's a lot of publicity for them. So uh, generally speaking, these are sort of younger aspiring filmmakers and they, do want, they want their films to be seen by as many people uh, as possible, but I think it's very important to give credit to to the filmmakers. There's an Australian film called "We've All Been There." It's a wonderful short film. Um, th this film director, I'd, I'd done a lesson plan based on that, and then they, they, they'd obviously got a lot of traffic to their website from from uh, me putting it on 
uh, my website and they told me that they'd created a new film and would I do a lesson plan designed around that which which I did so it's you know it's it's, it's a win-win situation for for you know for, for myself as a person as a teacher writing materials designed around the short film and for them as filmmakers who want as many people as possible to see their film excellent and and you know in many ways that's also what I'm trying to do in, in um, starting to build a bit of a channel um, on YouTube where a lot of teachers do go searching. One of the big things, obviously, for a teacher is is a moment when, when you can see the penny drop, when you realise that something you've said or shared has got through. So have you got stories of that happening for you, particularly when you've used a short film? So either as a teacher or a teacher trainer, um, what, what are some of the biggest wins that you've had? Yeah, for example, um, mentioning one of the films which we've looked at today, The Present. Say, for example, the first step would be one group to come up with as many positive adjectives to describe character as they can, another group to come up with as many negative ones as they can and then to put the members of each group together and try to to match the opposite so if somebody is generous as a positive mean as a negative so they so they match them up together and that's a nice activity and then say well okay if you talk about a teenager what would be typical adjectives to describe a teenager so they they work together and lots of the students have got teenage children or they can remember when they were a teenager or they're still a teenager and they're generally very negative but some people say no that, that, that teenagers are actually very good that they're inquisitive that they're rebellious which is a good which is a good quality and other people say no but they're lazy they're badly behaved and they're referring to their own children and so you know we've got this discussion about uh, teenagers so and they say okay we're going to watch a film about a teenager does this film reinforce the stereotype of a, of a, a typical teenager so we show the film and we, and we and we see that these uh, the negative behavior of this of this teenager that he seems quite selfish lazy moody and we pause it and they say yeah that's the typical teenager so say okay watch the rest of the film and tell me do you still feel the same by the end of the film and when you've got that twist at the end and when you actually see that the the teenager is is handicapped himself the the penny drops and, and students are saying, yes, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And, and you know, so it's nice to see things, to see things like that. Mm -hmm. What about even in terms of, of learning English language? You know, have you seen real progress in, in terms of language development? You know? I absolutely, yeah, absolutely. What, what I see is that using the short, the short films in, in education, in, in, in my case, in language education in particular, it's such a fantastic return on investment because the short film may be two, three, four, five minutes long. And just with that short film, we may get um, 40, 50, 60 minutes of language production of people talking about it, discussing it, debating it. So it's a, such a fantastic return on investment just for such that, you know, just a short story and it generates so much language. And then you, I can just see that the students, their fluency has improved so much. It's, uh, it's great to see and read of what you're doing. And I, and I hope to see it grow and um, maybe we'll meet face-to-face -face one day at some conference or something somewhere if we can um, collide in the same in the same continent somehow that would be great I hope so I hope so very much and, and thank you very much for inviting me to speak find all the links to this episode on SoundCloud and the edited highlights on YouTube look out on YouTube also for a sponsored discussion with Kieran about his book and his broader work